a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. He's reclining. Just reclining. Ryan Cook, what's going on? What up, B fam? B fam. B fam. That's my brother from another mother. Oh yeah. Um <clears throat> fist bump. You know, it was uh it was a rough one today. If uh, anybody can't find me uh the <clears throat> my personal at Jeed Casting, uh it looks like at this point that it was hacked and then gone through and then deleted very quickly people so, suck man so um luckily i mean i didn't have any pictures on there that i don't have but uh still kind of sucks because you know all the people that i talk to on there but at this point i'm not starting another one i'm just going to be using uh the bash report i don't post that much stuff anyway so if you want to talk uh hit me up there follow me there whatever that's the deal. follow him follow him harder follow me harder <laughs> on the bash report um and yeah i'll be so ironically i just got a friend request from my 50 no 62 year old cousin my old tournament partner on facebook a little bit ago and it's obviously a cloned account and it's got the 2022 pride rainbow around his profile picture his frame so i'm like you've got some explaining to do (laughs) i had no idea yeah well 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 (laughs) Anyway, uh, I'm going to take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is. Um, just make sure you got uh, two-step authentication on all of your... Um, the way they got through was with an old deactivated Facebook account, which is weird. But um, that was linked to the IG because of Meta, right? We all love that so much. And and here we are. So, word to here the we wise. Are. Two-step authentication. Well, protect, it's happening to everybody. It happened to Rick shit. Barajas, remember? And he was on there trying to sell everybody... Yeah, I don't. This, I think this was a different one. This might have been something like where they go through. I heard they go through your DMs and stuff and try to find just any information they can get, addresses, phone numbers. Maybe they can get a social security, whatever it is. I don't know. I think it's right. Like, you could have went through and got it all and then just give it back to me and been fine. All right. Um, yeah. But uh, neither here nor there. We will move forward because that's the way it goes. You just got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden. Dig it. That's right. Well, why don't you go ahead and uh, regale us of your of your day on the water, Ryan? And I'm gonna get our your buddy Ryan. We're gonna add some double double header with Ryan's today. Um, We're go. switching it up all the way from across the country. Yeah, this is a little different. We don't do this very often, but this is uh, this is the Ryan. Tell him tell him who it is. So, um, the guy Diana and I went out with on Lake Champlain. He's a guide. He's a tournament angler. Tournament angler first. He does guide. He just kind of guides here and there as he wants to um yeah great guy man great fisherman you know he put us on him um i, I just can't say enough about him you know and i, I was like yeah do we got this podcast my buddy and i do and it's it's really cool would you want to do it and he's like yeah absolutely so we're gonna get him on to talk we haven't really had many people talk smallmouth on here that i can think of no I don't think we've talked a lot of smallmouth no i mean we I love talking small mouth the, the, the little bit that we have. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is, this one's going to be fun. I, I'm looking forward to how these guys can, I mean, yeah. it seems like, I don't know. 
I'm not going to say what it seems like. We're going to find out firsthand. Tell us how your day went, bud. We actually had a great day on the water. Caught the heck out of him. Um, I had Andrew out. He's a listener of the podcast. Great, great, great dude. Um, Great kid. He's only 25, but he he acts like he's 40, and I mean that in a good way. But we had a blast. Um, He had never been to Maloney's. We went to Maloney's. He just wanted to just kind of see how I break the lake down. Just, you know, very good fisherman. He's got great mechanics. You know, he can cast well. I mean, stud fisherman. He just wanted to learn some new stuff. So um, I I taught him a couple new techniques today. Just kind of tweak some of the stuff the way he does versus the way I do it. Showed him a couple different ways. Um, Got him his first spoon fish. He caught a couple on a flutter spoon. His first cast with with a flutter spoon, he caught one. So that was cool. Right on. Um, he caught a nice, nice spot on an underspin. And then we actually got on a really, really cool fluke bite for a while. Fluke and topwater both, which I wasn't expecting, but it was just, we got, we got in the shad at the right time. And it, I mean, we caught, <clears throat> I hate to say this cause it's been slow lately and I'm telling all my clients it's a grind, but today, I mean, we caught, you know, we caught well over 40 fish today. Probably caught four. We probably caught 45 or 50 fish today. With some pretty solids for right now mixed in. Like we had some solid largies. We had some real nice spots. So yeah, man, it was fun. Um it's all timing right now. Are you blowing your nose? Sorry, I was blowing. Did you hear that? Oh, they can't I, I heard it. <laughs> anyway, that's hilarious. Well, I'll go back and look and see if it made it on there. I thought <laughs> I, I thought I I thought I muted my mic, but I think I can still hear you though, can I? No, well, maybe. I, I'm sorry. That just totally threw me off. Sorry. No, you got the bugs. Bad. You got I the bugs, I, dude. I should have just kept talking. No, um, I'll have to look at that now. Um, <clears throat> burps are okay. I really don't want to be blowing my nose into the microphone ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, dude, we had a great day on the water, man. Had some fun. Um, I'm excited. You know, we're, we're going to get to that point where things are going to start cooling off a little bit the nights are going to start getting cooler uh these fish are going to get more active as that water temp starts to drop and they're going to get their 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 fall feed bags on as i like to say and um just a quick heads up if anybody does want to get out this fall like the weather's great the fishing usually pretty good you have some tough days and some real real good days um i am almost booked up through fall like october's still got a handful of days november's got a handful of days in December, we've already got eight or nine books. So if you guys want to get out this fall, don't wait because it's going to be gone soon. So don't say I did not warn you. All right. Well, that's the breakdown. Ryan Cook's a day of fishing out there in the mother load. Um, real quick, there's a couple of flat bills still available. I think there's like six or seven. So if you want one, hit up uh, the Bass Out Report on the web. Um, there's a drop down. There's a link. If you're on your phone, you got to use a little waffle up in the right hand corner. Click that. Links are there. Hats, Patreon, the whole deal. Um, we've got more uh, at the end of this. Um, of course, the thanks and and we've got some other announcements and things like that. But uh, we were trying to get Ryan on as quickly as possible because he is on the other side of the country and it's late. There. Yeah. So well, three hour time difference hour time difference so he said he's going to be here in a couple minutes what else do we got and get going your on, ryan buy yourself a bass report hat take a photo out on the water or at your favorite movie whatever we don't care hot dog stand <laughs> tag us in it and joel will throw it up on the instagram for you we'll get I you do. insta 
Bass Report famous. I will usually do that. Um, yeah. There he is. There he is. Hey, what's up, guys? Ryan, what's up? How you doing, man? Live from New York. <laughs> it's Ryan Live Lattendale. from New York City. <laughs> Are you really in? Are you really? It's the Tonight Show. (laughs) It's the Tonight Show. You're not really. You're not really in the city, are you? No, I'm like I'm like way away from that place. (laughs) That place. He's up. He's up at the place I I, want to move. I know. I I just absolutely amazing. I just didn't know if he had maybe business or something going on in the city. On a business trip. No, I'm up in the place where everybody says they're like, "Hey, you live in like upstate, like near New York City, right?" I'm like, "No, we live in like Canada, New York." <laughs> <laughs> well, man, hey, thank you so much for coming on um, from from so far away, and and I know it's late there, so I apologize for the late night deal. That's all right. No big deal. Thanks for having me. So. We've been excited for this one. We don't get guys talking smallmouth very often. Definitely, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna let Ryan Cook take the uh, take the driver's seat on this. When you guys had yourself a day out there, I know Ryan has talked nothing but uh, smallmouth since he got back, um, as much as he can on the podcast, and then as much as he can to me off off uh, off mic. So, um, yeah, just glad to he- have you here, and let's talk about some smallmouth bass. Let's do it. Well, do you want to get them started off? I mean, kind of give them a quick background on what you do, how long you've been doing it, how you got started, the whole Ryan Lattonville rundown. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I grew up, obviously, on Lake Champlain. Uh, that's my home lake. Um, I have a substantial background in just trying to do anything I can to surround myself in fishing. And... My cousin Brett and I, who's another, he's a, he's an absolute hammer. Um, he just won a Champlain Bass Series event and won an ABA this year and just got a fourth place finish in the Toyota Series um, a couple, well, a couple weeks back. But him and I, partners in crime up here, taking on Lake Champlain since we were like, I don't know, seven or eight years old. I mean, five, five years older fishing, but then like probably like 10, 11, we got real serious about it. Um, we started getting tournaments in the area. Like, like we would go to Walmart and there was these tents and there were, there was people, there was like professional guys in tournament jerseys. And we're like, what the heck are these guys doing? Like they're actually fishing and getting paid. <laughs> so, we didn't even, we were like, that's crazy. And you're meeting these guys at Walmart and you're getting like their baseball cards, but they're fishing. So we're like, holy, this is wicked. Well, we would like, we would walk around by the tournaments and stuff and walk to this place in downtown Plattsburgh where all the tournaments are hosted. And there's this place called, we used to call it the monument. It's, um, it's a Samuel D. Champlain statue the guy who found lake champlain in like i don't know 1700s or way before that actually this is like the discovery of lake champlain but long time ago well we would walk this area called the monument for like a couple hundred it, it, you could walk it for like a mile you can find these little areas and walk across the bridge to do this or whatever but we would fish Every single day, pretty much sun up to sundown because we didn't have a boat, but we'd walk this place and learn it and just like 
surround ourselves with every part of that place until we were old enough to get boats. Um, we pretty much mastered that area. And once we got into boats, it was like game over. <laughs> uh, the story right. began. The story began. We started competing in like a local club series up here called the Plattsburgh Bass Club. We won like Ingler of the Year when we were like 15 years old, like two times back to back. And That's awesome. Did some cool stuff like that and, and developed basically just fast. Everything started happening pretty fast. Mostly focusing on smallmouth at that point, but eventually transitioning to largemouth, which dominated here for a very long time. And until recent years, pretty much smallmouth dominate again. Mm-hmm. So what, that, well, that, yeah, I was going to say that's a, I know we talked to somebody just recently when they went out to Champlain and did pretty well on the largemouth. Ryan caught a good one when he was out there with you. And yeah, I always thought just in, in my mind, I just, they're there around, right? Cause it's a place that they can live, but it's just, yeah. it's so it's, it's small mouth country, you know? So what was it? And we see the same types of things here in different areas where you've got a time where you were ca- people were catching teeners on the regular on the delta. Yeah. And maybe that's yeah. not the case anymore, you know. And so things change and there's fluctuations. What was it that that made that change from a place where you could go and catch a bunch of largemouth to maybe not as many anymore? So Champlain is a very diverse fishery and what a big thing with Champlain is it changes a lot. You basically, you can't get stuck doing the same thing year after year because you're the best grass, let's say, for flipping that you've ever found, and you win a tournament out of, you go there the next year, and it's completely gone. It grows somewhere else. Oh, it grew a mile away. Well, it looks perfect. Why is there no bass there? That's something that we've tried to put together for a long time, but the, the Champlain, everything changes so often, every week. Um, but especially every year, it's a whole different lake. You come out and you try to do what you did the year before and things change so fast that you can't and you have to stay on top of it. But in my opinion, the biggest thing is with largemouth is the grass. The grass actually hasn't been good in a few years. Like not, I don't know what the real reason is. I don't know if it's just the invasive, um, conservation guys doing some stuff um they're trying to stop milfoil from spreading but the big thing is the milfoil has not been looking great the last few years and a lot of us were just talking about that like why why is it not looking good kind of just looks dead in a lot of places um (laughs) wow that i mean i I will say that sounds sounds, like california (laughs) it sounds a lot like when we talk to guys about the delta yeah it's like why where's it what's happening you know the last 10 years it was unreal last few years we're talking about you know controlling it and all of a sudden it's like you can't find good grass magically well are they are they spraying it like they do out here not publicly um we're all wondering you mean you mean like they're not telling the public that they're spraying it that's kind of how a lot of the anglers feel we were just talking about that recently it's like I'm not going to say that they are or they aren't but people are wondering are they or is there stuff going on like are people putting stuff in the lake? Are they, what are they, what are they doing? Cause they're really cracking down. They want us to, they want us to fill out some form saying that we looked over our own boats <laughs> saying that we're, we don't have no foil on it. And then sign this document basically stating we agree and we looked over this. 
There's nothing well, on our boat that we know of. That's the same thing here in California. I fished Lake New Maloney's today, and you have to fill out a, um, a quagga muscle self-inspection. Yeah. So I had to take 10 minutes to crawl all around underneath my yeah, boat and right. check all sure my you compartments. Did. Sure you did. <laughs> Now, no, so yeah, so yeah, no. so Ryan, what he's saying and what you're saying, those are those those happen at some of the lakes that are further out, further back, not as strict. In the bigger, right. more populated areas like where I'm at, and down south, Southern California especially is very strict about this. But they, you have to pay for an inspection. Um, your boat has to be completely dry. You have to run your. You have to you have to drop your motor. Make sure there's nothing coming out of your lower. Um, plugs have to be out you have to run your bilge ice chest can't be in the boat yeah right? yeah no no ice can be in the boat uh you have to have that in a separate ice uh, like ice chest until you're done with your inspection or you get banded so wow. what, I, what i would say is <laughs> yeah. it sounds to me I'm, I'm i hate to do it to you bud but uh brace because from what it sounds like to me they could very easily do that with what you're talking about. So that's what we have to deal with. It here. seems that they're at the start. They're like at the starting pro- uh, process of where you guys are. You guys were here. And this is where, I think that's where we're headed. I mean, I've talked to some of these guys at the boat ramp in long, you know, lengthy conversations. And just recently they were saying they're basically giving us a break for a couple of years. They're not going to find anybody, but eventually they're going to start cracking down and right. actually finding you for not doing these things. Well, they won't do it. What they'll do is it, it, there's no money in finding you. What they're going to do is they'll probably just make you have to pay at the launch for your inspection and you pass the inspection. You're good. If you don't pass the inspection, what they do here is they just send you home and you can't get on the lake for three days and you got to, wow. then, then you can come back and you can try to get inspected again. And hopefully everything's dry by then. Now, if you come, wow. if you come off the lake, if you come off the lake on your way out, you stop, you get a band that goes around your trailer, your roller, and the boat itself so that – and then any tampering, you know, they've got like these anti-tamper bands so that if you come back through, you don't have to do all that. But if you go to a lake okay. that, that doesn't – that you go to some other lake somewhere else and you try to go back to, say, your home lake and you don't have that, you got to go through the whole thing all over again. Right. So wow. luckily, if yeah, it ever does come down to that, I mean, you fish primarily Champlain, so you're on the same lake every day. Yeah, yeah. at least I'm on the same lake every day. I do do some other lakes around here, but and those are the ones that are actually really strict on because they're small, like Adirondack lakes. So that I have had that happen where they tag, they're like, you don't have a tag, you can't come in this lake. And I'm like, what do you mean a tag? So you got to drive 40 minutes this way, get your boat sprayed, cleaned, whatever uh, de-milfoilized and you can come back. So I did that. I did that actually when we, uh, we were shooting a film on this Adirondack Lake. I was with Scott Martin's daughter, Hillary. And we just, she's got it actually all on her YouTube channel. We went through the whole work. <laughs> we actually went fishing. It, I mean, it ended up being a good day, but we had to waste a couple good hours of, getting the wow. right proper documentation and making sure my boat was clean to their standards before touching it. Well, and and just to let other people know if, if they do follow him or they just want to watch your video, um, didn't you just do a Scott Martin challenge with him and his crew? Like yeah. right before we got there, right? I think on the Friday before we were there. Yeah, exactly. We did. That, we, um, that's going to come on in 2023 on ESPN. That'll be cool. 
I'll be watching that one. I'm excited. Oh, I can't wait to see that one. So real quick, just because we did kind of um, jump around there, <clears throat> going back to the largemouth versus smallmouth population and up until recent times, you said smallmouth have pretty much always dominated there, correct? Smallmouth have have smallmouth have always been in the mix, but largemouth have always been how you win here. Okay, got you. And you're saying it's, lately you're seeing smallmouth win? So it would be like it changes. So in, in June, you're smallmouth every single year because they spawn. Everybody's figured out the spawn here. You'll they will win no matter what. Um, maybe a guy will get them, you know, going to Ticonderoga or something like that. But mm-hmm. 99% of the time in June, smallmouth have always dominated. Then from June, like basically July, August, September, you'd get the largemouth. They're about 75% going to win an event because they're just bigger. Right. But I know what the big deal is now is, is forward-facing corner. I'm sure it's the same way everywhere has completely transformed that. Um, smallmouth are, it's much easier to catch 18 pounds of smallmouth uh, than it is largemouth because you can basically troll around and see these bass. Right. You know, 20, 20, 30 foot of water, you can just see fish and make cat long cast to them instead right. of like looking for the perfect grass all week and, if forward-facing sonar has increased our weight substantially, I mean, for example, the Toyota series, I don't have perfect statistics, but these are very close. Um, the Toyota series, I, I had struggled on day one. <clears throat> I had a uh, trolling motor issue, actually. I saw that. I was, like, running across in rough water, and I was looking on my deck, and my trolling motor was perpendicular to the bow of my boat while I was running. I'm like, what the? That's not right. So it's hanging off. I had to take off the water. I had to go get to the um, service crew. But that's getting on another tangent. I'll uh, tell you exactly what's going on. But I I weighed in 16 pounds on day one. Right. Uh, sitting in ni- 95th place. Isn't that, that crazy is just to think insane. about that? 16-pound limit. And those were smallmouth, correct? I had or did um, you have larges four in there smallmouth. Too? I had one largemouth. So you weighed in 16 pounds, you're in 95th place with over a three-pound average of smallmouth. If that doesn't tell the listeners a little bit something about that fishery, you know, and how what an amazing fishery that is. And there's not many places. I don't know of many in the whole country. I know there's a handful, but there's not many places that you can go catch, you know, a 20-pound limit of smallmouth and a 20-pound limit of largemouth. It's like, pick your poison. Like, what do you want to do? That's insane. No, exactly. There's nowhere like it. And... But previous years, you'd say the same thing. People would be like, I can't believe I'm sitting in 50th place with 16 pounds. Like, why is this? This place is so good. But I quite literally mean that's 50th place. I did the same thing like four years ago. I was, I was sitting in like 46 with 16 on day one. Like, they have, every, like, the we've all said it locally, 16 pounds now is like the old 14. Everything's gone up two pounds since forward-facing sonar has come out. Isn't that crazy? Completely. Do you so let's okay. So we kind of touched on the large mouth, small mouth thing. Forward facing sonar has a lot to do with it now. Um, let's talk. And I I've, I've done a lot of 
um, podcasts. I've done a lot of seminars, you know, on spotted bass versus largemouth because we've got both in our reservoirs yep. here in California. Um, just to just kind of give people a quick rundown. Let's say somebody's going to be taking, you know, a trip out there to New York. And if you are going to be, and we can plug all your social media in here or Joel can, cause I don't know how to do that stuff, but he does. I can try. Um, I can try. If you guys are going to ever be going out to New York, hit this guy up for a guide trip, dude. He's I'm like one of the coolest guys I've ever fished with in my life. But, um, if somebody wants to go out there, they got their family vacation. He's going to tow his bass boat. What are a few tips you can give them on that lake to target smallmouth versus largemouth? Um, first would be depending on the time of year. Um, if you're coming <clears throat> standard summer, like you're coming in June, you're looking for spawning smallmouth. I mean, that's no secret. Everybody knows that about that time of year. Um, shallow rocky banks, shallow big flats, um, six to eight foot of water sort of stuff. But if you're coming anytime during the summer, it, it's hard to give you one big easy thing, but just because of the week, it's it's a week to week lake. It changes so much. Right. Um, but it's very standard smallmouth stuff. You get a Ned rig. You get yourself um, a drop shot rigged up for probably July to August, and you get offshore. You find some rock. Um, the the easiest, the most, the easiest way to um, say to a beginner coming here. <clears throat> grab yourself a Carolina rig with like a speed craw and just drag that pretty much anywhere on this lake. I like love a Carolina 10 rig. To, 10 to 20 foot of water would be like a brainless way to come up here and catch them. Do the smallies eat a jig pretty well on that lake too? Um, I think they the Carolina rig better. Do they? Okay. Just because we've got grass, a lot of grass that comes up and the Carolina, the, the speed craw gets above the grass a lot better. Okay. So they're going there, keep it simple, keep a Ned rig, a drop shot, Carolina rig, go fish your basic yep. stuff, go fish your rock. Let's say they want to go try to target largemouth. Give them, you know, and let's talk, I mean, every every season is different, but let's talk, you know, the warmer months, like when the lake's not frozen, of course, because I realized that the, that lake freezes. I, I'm telling Diana, I'm like, man, I want to I want to live here and like guide on this lake. And then you're like, yeah, it freezes oh. over like three months out. Of the I'm like, yeah, it'd be rough. Oh, and she be. said I mean, to tell you hi, by the way, she just walked in. She said, hi, boys. Oh, we, uh, Hey, guys. Hey, Diane. Uh, hi, Diana. Hi, Diana. So let's uh, let's talk largemouth. Give them, you know, your three confidence baits of choice and kind of some areas what to look for, how to go fish them, that type of thing. So what's always made this lake cool was the, the ability, like you said, you know, you're fishing smallmouth offshore, something like that. And then, hey, I got three groups of largemouth I've found for the tournament. Um, first thing, like you can fish them junk fishing, just like any place in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best way I've always found to get like large numbers of them. If you love to throw a jig, Champlain is hands down one of the best jig lakes in the country. Um, Cause you can find groups of largemouth in, in the grass, they get in the milfoil really good. Of course, you got to find the good-looking milfoil, but right. you get into like bays that predominantly have milfoil, which are any shallow grassy bays. You can see with the mapping now, pretty much anyone that has it. Um, like the Albert Passage, that's that's an obvious area. Cary Bay, Massisquoi Bay, those are your uh, nutrient-rich milfoil infested areas 
you'd go through those areas with either a jig, a spinnerbait, a chatterbait, and just go down the grass edge. And again, it's a pretty easy way to find uh, largemouth. Now, just just because Joel Eden and I have we, we've both been known to get jiggy with it. Um, <clears throat> oh, the jig! We love our jigs. Lake Champlain. <laughs> it's predominantly fairly clear water, right? I'm sure there's maybe some stained water on some parts of the lake. Everything we fished that day was pretty clear. Um, when you get around, and I'm sure if you're throwing a jig for largemouth, you're trying to be around the grass, like you said. Are you going? Yep. Are you going straight braid? Are you going floral? Are you going braid to leader? What do you like? So if you're on the main lake, on Lake Champlain, for the most part, which would not, this would be um, not counting the Inland Sea or the Albert Passage, you're in clear water. Main lake, Lake Champlain equals clear. Um, for the most part, from top to bottom until you get to, like, the Crown Point area and, and southern end of the lake. But when you get into, like, the Albert Passage, you run into the dirtier water. And that whole uh, Albert Passage up to Missisquoi Bay is stained for the most part, almost always. Um, I always am flipping braid, straight braid. Unless I'm in that clear water, I'll do a braid to floral. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you can get away with straight braid, 40, 40 pound on Champlain. Okay. And that's not too much of an issue, you think, as far as the, the visibility? Well, because you're down, like you said, a little bit dirtier water. Yeah, most of the most part, large mouth. If you're, if you're flipping, stuff. like it, like if you're straight up flipping, I mean, it, it's more of a reaction bite anyway. Most of the time, I feel like. Yeah, it's thick milfoil. It's kind of sets up like hydrilla, um, where you're pit, flipping in the holes, and if it's real tight grass, you're just kind of pitching on the edge mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. punch. We don't do a lot of punching up here. You, you can get some, but it doesn't usually get that thick up up north anyway. Well. You know, I, I don't know who it was that I was watching. There was a video about uh, hydrilla, and we don't have hydrilla out here. We have aloidia, but it's kind of everybody the same. calls it hydrilla. They, they all call it hydrilla. It's very, it's very similar. Like if you looked at it and you weren't like a botanist or really into this, you, you're like, oh, that's that's just hydrilla. But, um, but uh, dude, it was, his name is escaping me right now. But it was a it was a a Bass University like quick thing on and it was just funny because it was like a couple days ago but he talks about like punching those hole or or trying to hit those holes if you're going to try yeah. to if you're going to try to do that and that that is something that that goes on out here um how much punching is there ever a time where that that milfoil gets thick enough to where you guys are punching and what are you guys using to punch being a place where no. punching is not really the thing we're out here it is definitely a top three thing to do i would say you can get away with it I, I basically never see an opportunity up north. Um, and by up north, I mean north of the Crown Point Bridge, which is... It, uh, so back in the day, you always heard everybody's winning tournaments in Ticonderoga. That's below the Crown Point Bridge. It's about... 50, Crown Point Bridge is about 55, 60 miles from Plattsburgh, where I live. Mm-hmm. But obviously, this lake's 110 miles long, so you can run across the whole lake. But when you're below the Crown Point Bridge, it is just like a whole new lake. It's like Florida. Your your milfoil looks like hydrilla. The matted grass starts getting matted in like June, like end of June, mid-July. It's like thick. Mm-hmm. You can frog it. You can punch it. You can flip it any way you want. And it's, it's, 
it's like 60, 40, 50 miles of straight map when it's good, when it's right. What's the highest, what's the highest the water temp? I'm sorry. What's the highest the water temp ever gets out there in that area? Like in the, in that area and like in the mat might be like 80. Okay. Okay. You're not seeing like 90. That's getting up there pretty good though. Yeah. Yeah. For a lake that freezes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I mean, our reservoirs here in California, when they get really like right now, I mean, you're talking uh, seventy eight five this morning, and it got up to like eighty two this afternoon. Yeah, so. So you you most for the most part, like the main channel will be seventy, seventy two, seventy three down there. If you're, but I'm thinking if you're in the mat, you might look at your temperature gauge. It'll say like seventy eight, maybe eighty in the back of those small areas. But eighty is a high. I've seen it, but it's not not very often. Mm-hmm. So. Our buddy Randy Pearson, who fished the Bassmaster Elite Series for, I think he did, I think he did two full seasons. Um, yeah, he loved Champlain, fell in love with this lake. Like I, I talked to him before we headed down there and got some info from him. He like, was he went and did the lake trout thing. He he did a great that when we had him on the podcast. Like he, that's all he wanted to talk about was Champlain. <laughs> he he wants to move there. I, I mean, he fell in love with this place, and I don't see who couldn't if you're a bass fisherman. This is it's heaven. Um, and he did well in that tournament. I, I think he finished top 10, right? Joel, if I'm correct me, if I'm wrong, I think he, yeah, had he a top was close. 10 on he was close. He said, he, uh, <clears throat> yeah, he, well, he found some large mouth, but then was yeah. still able to, to revert and, and find the small mouth when he needed to. And I, wh- and Ryan, go continue with what you were saying. Cause we're getting off on a tangent, but I have, I have a question after you're done. Dude, we, yeah, love, no. we love tangents. Um, but one thing he told me, and he even said, because um, the, the second day that we were there, I was supposed to go out with your buddy, Brian. Yeah. Who, kudos to him. He just won that big tournament. I saw that. That was awesome. Yeah, he won the Toyota Series. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. Um, I was supposed to go with him the second day, and we got blown out, so to speak. It was going to be blowing real, real nasty. So, But he was saying, hey, if one of your guides is on some largemouth, have him take you to fish some docks. He said, you'll be amazed on this lake. Like it's clear water. You can see, you know, all the way up past this dock and you'll skip a Cinco under there and like less than a foot of water, super clear water and catch a four pound largey. Yeah. Yeah. What do you know about that? They've gotten some more pressure these days. I, I don't do it as much. Um, but they, I mean, it's definitely a thing. The, The big thing to say about the dock fishing on Champlain is it goes along with, Whatever you like to do, this is this is Champlain in a nutshell, and this is why people love it. If you figure out this 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 part right here, Champlain, you can basically do whatever you want. So you love to dock fish, you can go catch twenty pounds on dock because right. you understand you understand how dock set up. If you love to flip um, hydrilla down in Florida, what do you think those guys do when they come up here? They come up here and flip no foil and understand it right away. They're like, "Oh my god, there's so many largemouth up here." There's Isn't guys awesome? if you love smallmouth from like you're from St. Lawrence River or something or Ontario, you're gonna come up here and dominate an offshore smallmouth. Um, there's literally no wrong answer <laughs> to, to right. fishing up on Champlain. It, 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 right. There's bass everywhere, so there you can catch them any way you want to make them bite. So. I, I, I got a good question for you, and this is one I've been 
I've been thinking about. <clears throat> so me yeah. personally, when I got out here in California and I got a client that comes out, obviously if their goal is to go catch a personal best largemouth, then that's what we're going to do. If they just want to go out, you know, and target numbers, then I'm usually going to go chase for the most part, spotted bass, play the numbers thing. You know, um, when we came out there, it was very much, Hey man, I, I don't care about largemouth. I want to go catch smallie. You know, I've never caught a three pound smallie in my life. I broke that several times that day. Thank you again. That was awesome. Um, yes, that was an awesome day. But uh, uh, if you have clients coming out, and I'm sure a lot of them probably don't have a preference. They're just like, let's go fishing, right? Yeah. Do, for do the you most usually part, target largemouth or smallies with them? Smallmouth. They're just a little easier to um, catch on that lake? It's the grass that throws me off with the guiding. Um you get when you get around the grass, you have to get the right client that understands like, hey, I, I'm going to cast this sink out. I'm going to let it sit, and right. you can understand the fact where like they can't. Some of them just don't understand what the grass is versus a, a fish. Right. You know, yeah. like, oh, I think I got one. <laughs> nope, you got grass. Yeah. Kind of deal, and that's why it's a lot easier to go. Let's go cast a drop shot or Ned rig or spinner bait out for smallmouth. Right takes a little of the headache away nope i get well and that's the beauty of a ned rig or a drop shot you got an exposed hook the fish is usually hooked before they even realize they got a bite you know yeah yep exactly that's but, that's exactly how we look at it yeah these are the hacks the hacks of of the guides i'm not saying you yeah, guys are hack exactly. guides but the, these are the hacks that you need as a how, guide how dare how dare how you dare you how dare, yeah, you, how dare you go that route <laughs> well these are the, like yeah I go out with Ryan. Uh, well, hey, a jig has an exposed hook, and Ryan can tell you I've been out there with him, and ex- exposed hook or not, he's gonna outfish me all day long. I'm gonna be missing all kinds of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a jig is a, it's actually not a very easy bait to throw. It seems like that it, it's the easiest bait ever once you fall in love with it. But yes. you got to know what you're feeling, and that I, when we were talking about it, Ryan and I were talking about it, and. Uh, casting jigs because i was losing a lot of fish and in previous years i was like how the heck do i keep these fish on and making a long cast and i was probably using too heavy of a hook was ryan's suggestion and i was thinking how does he get clients to eat like how can they catch fish on a jig if they've never caught a bass before Mm -hmm. which is impressive because jig fishing is like you have to know what you're feeling you have to know to set the hook like it's not just like they jump in the boat, like like they do with a Ned rig or something. Well, I mean, and and so it, can you talk about like what he talked? Because I've talked about we've talked about this ad nauseum, but someone who is completely different from a different place. What did he t- talk to you about? And I know he talked a little bit. He told me on on the side, like maybe you were you tried out some of the things he said, and it actually worked. Yeah, I did actually. I, I downsized my hook. We had talked like. You're using basically Ryan was like you're using you're using like a flipping hook, making these long casts with twenty pound fluoro mm-hmm. or seventeen pound fluoro. But I got a stout rod, that's fine. You know, you got a good jig rod, but you're using the you're using all basically heavy equipment and using a heavy jig with fluoro making long casts. You're not getting you're not getting a good you're not getting the good hook in them. Um, making these long casts was, was basically the setup. It's, it's a big flipping hook mm-hmm. and it's not getting the appropriate penetration or too much penetration causing a huge hole in their mouth or something like that. Yep. So Ryan's suggestion was 
downsize, like get right to the finesse jig and don't set the hook like you're cracking them. Like you're not flipping, you're not flipping grass. You're just going to reel down and kind of pull back real set almost. And I started doing that and the little experience that I've had messing around with it this year, it's actually worked a lot. Well, it's one of those things where, and this is, <laughs> this is why he has a, a little bit of a cult following out here, especially for people who are, I mean, everyone wants to throw a jig well. I I, th- yeah. I I don't think you can consider yourself a halfway decent bass fisherman if you can't throw a jig well. And some people yep. can say whatever they want about that, but it is a qu- it's a quintessential, just one of those quintessential baits. You know, you have the the jig, the spinner bait. You know, like the buzz bait, the frog. There's all these the drop shot, and there, I mean, there's a bunch, right? But everyone wants to be efficient at everything. But the yep. jig eludes a lot of guys. It, it, it does. It, I mean, especially like you were talking about out here, we have the same type of deal where there are times when the water is super clear. You can't get right up there. You have to make a long cast. It could be deep. It could be 20, 30 feet down and you could be casting 50 feet out. It's a, it's yep. a lot of line out and we're not even using, like you were talking about 2017, like sometimes it's 14, you know, 14 to 17, like, you have to be able to just use that bait the right way. And dude, he's literally created a following out here by just saying, make the hook lighter. <laughs> it's not that hard. Yeah. No, you- I like, I like this theory a lot. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely makes sense now that I thought about it. I figured bigger hook, like set that hook, rip, you know, jack that fish. But what I didn't realize is when you jack that fish, you're not even really, because there's so much stretch in fluoro, you're actually not jacking the fish. Like, like I don't. There's a lot of stretch in fluoro. Who knows? And who knows how much how much bow is in that line? Really? Yes, exactly. Casting, you know, forty feet out, fifty, sometimes sixty, seventy, just casting to rock structure or something. Um, and I was dragging the jig, and it's just making these long hook sets, sweet, you know, basically flipping, like like I'm flipping, but from long distance ripping the hole whatever i'm doing it just wasn't working and now it's like i I pictured the small little finesse jig and i'm like how is a six pounder gonna stay buttoned on this tiny little hook and he's like they do it all the time he gets 10 pounders on that hook well you just gotta adjust accordingly right you got a longer softer rod it's like we talked about this with (laughs) so ironically do you remember that guy we ran into out on the water that was fishing the tour yes yep we had him on the podcast last week and we were okay, awesome. and he's huge on and he actually did okay on Champlain. He made the tour championship on Champlain. I, I think he had what no, he had, Joel, awesome. top 50 finish or something. Yeah. Well, well he was, well, whatever he had, um, Phil was able to, to make the, the championship. So, yeah. and that but he was really a, excited about that. St. Lawrence, a huge proponent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Just a huge proponent, you know, of of softer rods, you know, and play the fish out, you know, like he's and he's so check this out. This is the first guy we've ever even and I'm getting off on a tangent here now, but this is the first guy we've ever talked to on this podcast. And we talked to a lot of California Delta guys, you know, hardcore punchers where everybody punches. That's that's the thing. You win a lot of tournaments out here doing it. And he even said on his punch fish. <clears throat> And you've always been taught. I've always been taught. I've always preached. I'm not a big puncher, but I've done my fair share of it. 
you, you got that drag locked, right? You're cranked. You jack him, you get him out. He's like, no. His theory, and he goes, and he's kept detailed numbers. Like, he does data. Like, he's a numbers guy. And he's he is probably as hardcore as anybody I've ever met with this stuff. And he's like, my numbers are higher. He's like, I don't mean to sound arrogant. He goes, but the way I do it works better. And he goes, I want my drag to slip on that hook set. He said, I don't want to rip a big hole in that fish's mouth. He goes, I'll go in and get him. He said, I am... I'm not going to put too much pressure on that fish, even punching, which a lot of people tell him he's wrong, but I mean, he's made a career out of it, you know? That's insane. Yeah. That's completely yeah. what you say is backwards. Cause you're like, it's like frogging. You set the hook, you get that fish in the boat as fast as possible. Right. It's a mindset. Like set the hook, get it in the boat. Yeah. Don't mess around with it. You got big braid, big rod, big bait, you know, big hook. Like, but I, I completely can see the other side of it. You don't think about that. It's like, hey, how big of a hole did you just rip in that fish's mouth? And, and what are the chances if he shakes, he's going to come off? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. Ryan, I, like I was the one over here extolling your virtue. But I mean, when you guys were out there, did you get to, did you throw the, did you throw the jig around at all? Ryan, did you bring any? Did you bring any of those of those special jigs that we all we all? I didn't. I didn't pack any in my suitcase. Um, they pulled them all as we were coming through customs, but uh, or not customs, <laughs> whatever. Um, no, you know what? So everything we did, man, and we were super simple. And obviously, you know, when you guide, you are. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want this to come off arrogant by any means, but as a guide, you're kind of used to people showing up that are, you, you know, very basic skill set, you know, and, and we kept it super simple. You know, that's how his boat was set up for what we were doing that day. We had Ned rigs, we had spinner baits and I think that's all we threw was a Ned rig and a spinner bait. But dude, what we did on a Ned rig on that lake, and this just goes, and I, I was talking to Andrew about that today on our trip, you know? Yes, we went out and caught big smallmouth. Diana caught some nice ones. I caught some nice ones. Super, super stoked. But I didn't come back, you know, like with a chip on my shoulder. Like, yeah, I caught my personal best smallmouth. I'm like, dude, our guide put us on him. Like, this this guy made it happen, you know. And he's around enough fish and the right fish that that's all we needed to do is throw a Ned rig. I mean, um, if, you know, if we, when we go back out there and do this again, because we're going to do it. Like, we're already planning our trip for next summer. Um, you know, I would definitely love to be able to throw some different stuff around, you you know, and him kind of seeing, he didn't have to babysit us, you know, we, we, we might have a little bit more leniency next time type of thing, but, uh, Ned Rig got it done, dude. (laughs) That's that's the thing. And you can't knock the Ned Rig. I've always got one tied on, um, on any smallmouth lake. I mean, largemouth even doesn't really matter what you're going for, but Champlain is hundred percent. You always have one tied on super finesse and you're not going to just catch 12 inch fish like like what a lot of people suspect about throwing the bait like that i mean it catches giants i think we had like almost a 20 pound bag i think didn't we i i think we figured it was a, a little over 20 pounds yeah yeah that was that's, i, I, I mean, want to say it was just a fuzz over 20 because we weighed our best five or six i know that for that time of year that you were here that's insane like they just got done spawning uh, yeah, they, you know, we're shooting for like that 18, 19. I mean, we're always shooting for 20, but 20 that time of year is very hard. The goal, the goal of the day. And I go, you know, just like I told you that morning, I do this. I guide full time. This is my only job I have. I, I do this. 
I said, I know how fishing is. I have no preconceived notions. I said, I just want to go have fun. I said, I would love to catch a smallmouth, you know, over three, three and a half pounds. I've never caught a true three pound smallmouth. And I mean, I broke, I don't know. I broke that at least probably six times, you know, um, yeah, at least. which was just completely awesome. But, um, yeah, dude, that Ned rig. And that's something we don't talk about a lot. You know, a lot of guys ashamed of it, but I feel like, and Matt Allen, they have tactical bass and they've built a real big name. You've probably heard of them. They got a YouTube, whatever. Um, but they've talked about that for years with spotted bass, <clears throat> you know, that to, to fish for giant spotted bass, you don't need to be throwing a big giant bait. Like uh, you can be targeting the biggest spotted bass on our lakes with a little 2.8 Kitek, you know? And yeah. from what I, yep. what the limited experience I have in just talking to you and picking your brain all day, which was awesome to get to do. Um, when you're targeting those smallmouth, you're not targeting them with a big giant bait most of the time, you know? No, the only time I'm targeting with like a, a somewhat bigger size bait is like a top water. Like I don't, I'm not afraid to throw like a big shower blow. Right. Um, no, and so that's that's what I was talking about. Is is the Ned rig is is kind of maligned here on the West Coast? I think, I think it's just because there's so much of the of the big bait stuff going on. Uh, if you could catch things on things that are a little bit harder to catch fish on, and that that do technically catch bigger fish it's something but i mean my my son caught his pb six pounder which is a large mouth on a ned rig and my wife on the even on the delta uh her best is a little over four on the delta uh throwing a ned rig so um yeah i mean the, it the, the ned rig has its place and I, I don't want anybody to malign it because it's a great bait uh it's phenomenal bait and i mean even i'd my buddy Brian, the guy who just won that Toyota series, he had a client this spring catch a six, I think it was a 624, which is by far the biggest smallmouth I've ever heard of on this lake on a Ned Rig. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the deal. The right, you know, I, I, I said it time and time again, but the, the wrong bait in the right location is far more effective than the right bait in the wrong location. You know, it's all about being around the right fish and, and um, when you and you said it earlier, but when you present, you know, a small bait to a big fish when it's hungry, I mean, there's a decent chance that bigger fish may not have eaten a bigger bait. You know? Elephants eat peanuts, right? Elephants eat peanuts. <laughs> I right. love it. I love that thing. Literally, that's, that's how I look at it. I mean, the only time that I'll like for the most part I, on Champlain, especially or any of these northern lakes. I throw for the most part finesse tactics, but I will, you know, throw big top waters around, um, shower blow, you know, they're five, five plus inches long bait, but they, the smallmouth crush them. Um, you know, big jerk bait, stuff like that in the spring for the most part, see a lot of guys throw them throughout the summer. But again, with this forward facing sonar, you almost don't have to do those sort of things. Right. So one thing, talking about little baits which surprised me now don't get me wrong i i totally understand why and it obviously worked just fine but what surprised me is is um even on these little ned rigs you're throwing all your spinning rods they're rigged up with 12 pound fluorocarbon leader which out yep. here in california when you're finesse fishing if you're using you know eight some guys are like oh you know it's too heavy you're not going to get bit um 
but we obviously didn't have a problem getting bit. It, I, I had a lot of confidence hooking a big, you know, strong four plus pound small, a few four plus pound smallmouth on this twelve pound test because I'm like, okay, I can, I can put some juice to them now. But you guys pretty much out there have to because you've got what is it, the zebra mussels out there? We've got the zebra mussels. Um, part of the reason I do that is, is strip for guiding. I bump it up a little bit. Okay. Um, get, That's what I was going to ask you. Are there times you go lower, like when you're tournament fishing and stuff? So, like, I don't go much lower. I, I'll go 10. Um, so, I'm really good. Well, one of my best friends of all time is Jacob Wheeler. And he, him and I have been friends for a long time. That's another side note. But um, the big thing, he, he comes up to Champlain. He's like, y'all, y'all fish are just dumb up here. <laughs> like, they don't, <laughs> on Champlain, they just don't care. Like, they care more on the St. Lawrence River. I haven't quite figured out why they can be line shy, but maybe some guys will, will beg to differ. I mean, you catch 20 pound bags on 10 pound tests. I've bumped my clients line up to 17 before just to see, like, are we going to get bit dropping down on them offshore? It's like they catch two, four and a half. And I'm like, why do I, why do I even go to 10? If they're going to bite this 17. Right. And, like my buddy Brian, same thing. He says, yeah, I use 12. I mean, they don't care. It's like, why? They, they really don't. They don't care up here. And right. I don't know if it's just because the lake is frozen half the year. That Wheeler believes a lot of the reason our fish are so active is because the lake is frozen half the year, you know, five months, that the, cho- the feeding frenzy is all summer long. It's not like we have our tough times, but always has to put into perspective your tough times are nothing like our tough times like you can still go out and catch 20 bass in a day on your worst days here mm-hmm. right and and that's, that's tough if i catch 20 in a day i mean that's that's like a tough day that's insane so i'm not catching hundreds a day but you know what i mean it's like 50 60 is it's a good day i've talked to I was just recently talking to to Art Newberian, who's down in Gunnersville now, and I don't know anything about that place. I don't know anybody who lives there. I know Art lives there, and he's my buddy. He just moved there, and we just talked for half an hour, and he's like, man, these lakes around here, it's totally different than California, and I expected him to be like, we're just absolutely slaying them, but he goes, no, it's like there's so many tournaments going on at that lake. And then you've got the Coosa, and there's tons of places you can fish the the Coosa River, and you, there, there's just these these are river systems that are just chock full of giant lakes with so much fishing area, but there's such a huge there's such a huge uh, demand for fishing tournaments that he's like, there's a tournament every night. There's five tournaments on the weekends. He's like, if you can oh, wow. go out, if you can go out and catch ten. And you're like a, meet a halfway decent fisherman. People were like, "That's a great day," and I was like, "Wow, wow. really?" Well, I the one thing, and I, I said, "Well, is it the pressure?" He's like, "I don't know. I don't." He's like, "I don't really know." He hasn't been there long enough. He's like, "But I talked to other people, and they're like, yeah, man, if you get ten, you got a limit, and you cold some, you're doing good." Well. I don't know if that, I, and 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 I don't I don't know how much that's true. The guys that live there probably can find some areas, but I think well, across the board, across the country, it's like 
if you remember, Joel, when we talked to Randy Pearson and I asked him that question, I, I said, how do you compare California to the rest of the country that you traveled through the two mm-hmm. years in the, in mm-hmm. the Bassmaster Elite Series? And I think his close to his exact words, I'm not going to quote him, but he said something along these lines. Like He said, other than Lake Champlain, everywhere he fished, he said, we have it really, really good in California. He said, yeah. except for Champlain. He said, I want to move there. Yeah. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, everybody falls in love with this lake. Like I said, it, it it's not, I'm not going to say it's an easy, it, it's easy to catch fish on this place. Like come up and just come catch some fish. Catch 20 pound bag is not easy. It, you know, I haven't done hundreds of 20 pound bags in my life. I mean, I'm 30 years old, but you only catch so many, you know, but it's, it's a fairly easy lake to come up and just come catch fish. But if you want to come get some bacon, come out with me. <laughs> oh, I like I can it. Att- I can I like attest it. to that. I love it. I like it. I love it. Shots fired. I shit, I love it. Shots fired. Well, Ryan, I, how do we want to – I know we haven't had him on for too long, but it's it's getting towards 10 o'clock out there. So it's Yeah, he's yeah. pushing 10 o'clock. I mean, most of our podcast, dude. Like, we can go. We can go. Right. Two, we, three we've hours. we've 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 done it. we've got. Yeah, we've done some long ones. We're not going to do that to you, Ryan. I want you to to finish it up. I, you got some. You always have some good questions about. Um, I don't know. Do your questions, dude. Yeah, I know well, you got some questions. I mean, we've asked him a whole bunch of questions, right? I, I say we just to kind of start wrapping it up here. Um. Social media, how do people get a hold of you if they're interested in booking a trip? Um, what months do you recommend them booking a trip? And also, for anybody that's going to go out there, if you want to go take an awesome vacation, and I'll let him talk about this, but his family also owns um, like lakefront cottages you can rent for very, very reasonable prices. Um, that's what we're going to be staying in next time. And the whole family... Um, my beautiful fiance and I, her whole family, um, we're going to be staying in your cottages, Brian, by the way. Uh, is it August, uh, babe? That's the plan. I, I want to say mid-August this next summer, we're going to be out there. So. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. How far out do you oh. book out? And how far out do you guys book out? She just wanted me to ask you that real quick. They book out. Um, they, I, would, I would start looking now because August is a, is a busy month. So I would start contacting them now. For sure. Month, he said we should look into it as soon as possible. Okay. Um, yeah. So just kind of give them the rundown on your guiding. You know what are good months to come. Your caught all that fun stuff. And uh, and and yeah. you got you got and you got to give us your your three favorite baits. If you only had three, because Ryan didn't ask the question. That's usually oh, his question. That's what you were. You were that's what I, that's right what I was me. going for. I wasn't trying Sorry. to totally end this thing, but you okay, do have to bad. give us your three favorite baits. If you only had three all year round. Anywhere in the country, what's it going to be? Okay. All right. That would that'll be perfect. You want me to answer that one now or at the end? Answer that one now, and then I want you to give us all your good information so people can uh, reach out to you. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm gonna no, say, you're fine, Ryan Cook. Here, this is just going to sound cliche. I'd go jig 100%. I'd have a jig tied on. I would go Senko, I hate to say that, but I would go Senko for sure. Wow. I'm not afraid to admit, admit Senko catches Vegas. I don't care. Boy. And I'd probably go, I'd, I'd probably have a drop shot rigged up for the North. 
hard to say anywhere in the country. I'd go to probably you probably get a drop shot almost anywhere in the country. Right. You're you're gonna have to have that I'd drop. Probably, so how do you, how are you rigging that? So this is the the big question though. How are you rigging that Senko? Wacky. <laughs> Weightless wacky. So you're gonna. Yep. You're doing like a weightless it. wacky Senko, a drop shot with it's your choice of bait and then uh and then a j- and then a jig. Yep. Straight and also jig. and also a topwater Carolina rig and a, a topwater Carolina <laughs> rig. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'd have all I'd have them all rigged up. You know me, I got like well, three. Those are the those so. are the three that we'd have to hold Ryan Latinville to. Um dude. Really appreciate you coming on. Uh, give us give us the the rundown on your business, everything where we can find you. So you can find me on I'm, my my business name is Champs Charter Service LLC. I haven't formally created um, like a website or anything because I basically have taken overflow from other captains and gotten busy that way. Um, but I, it doesn't mean that I'm going to deny trips. Uh, anybody, the best way to get a hold of me is through my Instagram. Um, it's the, it's R T Latinville nine is how you find me. Or just, I'm pretty sure you just look up Ryan Latinville. I'm a U.S. Coast Guard captain of like four years and been guiding up here for that long and been fishing the lake since I was a little kid and, uh, put my whole life and soul into this place. Um, with that being said, my family does own cottages, marinevillagecottages.com. We can accommodate pretty much any, any sort of group. I mean, it's a huge place. It's 14 acres on the lake. Um, and it is beautiful. Family parties. Yeah. It's an unreal place. But you can basically get a hold of me through my Instagram is the best way to contact me. And I've always got good stuff going on. I, I try to post a lot of content. I've got professional photographer we i work with is always putting good stuff up and we collaborate with a lot of big pros and stuff stay at it i stay around fishing i stay around the marketing aspect and i love every bit of it yeah pretty cool and it's it's very and i'm I'm just going to stroke his ego here for a second but this is all true but um it's very apparent he likes what he does like there was uh, I've I've always been kind of nervous to go with a guide, you know, because I I know what I put into what I do, and I told Diana this is going to be so weird, you know, just to go out and and get guided for a day. And dude, we had fun, we laughed, we joked, we talked trash. He put us on fish. Like even if we had not caught fish, we would have had fun and 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 came back anyway. But he's. He's going to put you on fish. He's going to put you on the best body he possibly can. He's going to give you 100%. Um, got a beautiful big boat, 21-foot Phoenix, rides like a dream in that rough water on that lake. And just, um, man, I, I I just can't say enough because we left that day, and I just told her, I'm, I'm like, that's that's our guy. Like, whenever we come here and we're coming back, that's our guy. There's no question. That's, I love it. I appreciate it, man. That's awesome. I'm glad you guys had a blast. We'll be back, and I can't wait. Now, I mean, granted, if we come a couple days and you're a busy one, I would like to go hang out with your buddy Brian, too, because you had nothing but good things to say about him as well. But oh, he's I, yeah. I mean, he's arguably one of the best on the lake. He's a great guy, too. Great yeah. guy to fish with and just great friend to have. And obviously, he's a dominant force up here. He's won some huge events. We've all won our share of huge events. He's just 
he just uh, won two huge ones. He won the Bassmaster Open in 2018, and this Ew. year in 2022, he just won the Toyota Series. And you cannot luck your way into that. It's no, impossible. No, you cannot. Absolutely not. Not with 200 and, what do we have, 230 boats. Yeah. Wow. And forward-facing sonar, he had large mouth. He, he had... He had a mixed bag on day one. No, he had all largemouth day one, all smallmouth day two, and a mixed bag on day three. So he he proved that the, the forward facing sonar doesn't or can't it isn't a guarantee. But everybody else in the top ten pretty much forward facing sonar. Yep. Awesome. Really good, dude. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you so much, man. And you're welcome. Hey, and thank you too, Ryan. <laughs> I appreciate you guys. <laughs> yeah, Ryan's getting confusing. Oh no, no, he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly. Hey, what we'll he's be doing. in touch, and, and um, I don't know. Like I said earlier, I, I don't know how to do it. I'm sure Joel does, but we can probably link his Instagram in the post or whatever, Joel. Oh yeah, we'll have hey, all. Wait, dude, we're we're gonna tag we're gonna tag you from here to Kingdom Come, dude. You're good. There you go. I love it. All right, buddy. Well, thank you so much, man. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and and we are already looking forward to next August. In fact, as soon as we get a, an official date here set, we're, we're still yeah. waiting to hear back from a couple family members, then we'll get a hold of you so we can get some dates locked in. Hey, then we'll do another podcast. We'll get on here. That's what yep. I'm talking about. Absolutely. And I want to do a, and I want to do a perch fry out there. I, I want to do a perch do fry. Okay. Hey, that's huge. That's huge. Let's do it. I'll bring the beers. I love it. There you go. All right, boys. Take care. Have a good Thanks, night. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me, guys. Wow. Cool guy. And it's 10 o'clock out there. He's still going yeah, strong. Pretty cool guy. I'm usually asleep by 930. Solid dude. Super solid individual. And, and you know, I just like we talked about on the podcast, I, I can't say enough about him. Like... I, I've been out with other guides before. I have been fortunate enough to have been out with Bobby Barrick, and Bobby was awesome, you know. And I've been out with a couple of others, you know, and had an okay experience. But the guy just—he's just fun to fish with. He knows his stuff. There's just no getting around it. And he's only thirty years old. He's just a young pup. Yeah, no, it was a really good time with that guy. The and best of times. The it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times for me. It was the. <laughs> I swear to God, it's been a rough day it's and been a rough a, night. No, it's Joel been a rough Castle. like week, like just crime. Don't do crime, kids. Go fishing. That's right. Ryan, you got anything? Oh man, um, are we thinking people here? Yeah, our buddy Jr. So let's once again, we're going to give our buddy Jr. Right a shout out. Uh, man, he's he's guiding now up at Lake Oroville. If, if anybody wants to go out on a trip up in Northern California, hit him up. Great guy, great guide, great fisherman, you know, and he wants to, he's at a point in his fishing career, he wants to start giving back. So he wants to get kids out. He wants to get some rookies out. He wants to get those people out that he can really teach and go make a difference. So hit him up. Uh, you won't regret that. Well, and, go. You, um, you can go always go back and listen to the podcast and kind of see what he's about as well. I don't know the, I don't know the number of that podcast off the bat. I probably should have a whole list in front of me. That'd be nice. Well, if it if it means anything, and it should, if you haven't been living behind a rock in the bass fishing world for the last 
20 years. Mm-hmm. He's one of the guys that got Cody Meyer into fishing. He taught Cody Meyer a lot of what he knows yeah. and was, I mean, a huge influence on that guy who's obviously one of the best fishermen in the country. I mean, I don't I think would, anybody would question that. Yeah, and I would say you could go back and listen to the one we did with Cody Meyer, and he talks about him as well. Yeah, so go listen to those two, and then go yeah. book a trip with JR, and exactly. you can thank us later. You can. Um, Cowdy bait and tackle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, buddy. I went over there. Spent CBT. A bunch of just recently. Um, dude, I love that place so much. I just, I, you, you got to have those types of places in order to keep guys like us involved you go there you don't have to go you you can go online if you need to find something if you're super remote but if you're in the if you're in the bay area uh anywhere from fremont redwood city santa cruz watsonville hollister anywhere on this side of the mountain you need to go there and go go shopping for your gear um they're a great shop they've been there a long time uh show your support for a local place and yeah and we also have stage stop gun shop which ryan can talk about on the other side of the mountain in the valley uh stage stop gun shop here in atwater for all of your 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 pew pew needs and uh great fishing selection dude they just Um, upped it they just upped the ante on their fishing selection just recently they've got a real new big stock of um depth stuff Thank you, Depps. Gosh, dang it, man! I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah, they got just got a bunch of Depps stuff in. I, I mean, they've got a great fishing section. They've got all of your punch weights, your flipping hooks. They've got obviously spear point hooks in there. Mm-hmm. Um, Yamamoto plastics, Zoom plastics, Robo worm. I'll put it to you this way: with everything I do, about seventy five percent of the stuff I get, I just get straight from there. I mean, they've got that much, so. Well, they get it. They, they. Get, I mean, I'm pretty sure Joey gets all the uh, ideas from you. So, um, if you want to go to a place that's uh, 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 um, probably a little bit like curated by Ryan Cook, it would be Stage Top Gun Shop. You go in there. You got Phoenix Rods. Like you said, there's depths in there now. There you got. Oh, the I didn't even mention baits. Phoenix Rods. What yeah, an a hole. Yeah, I know, right? Um, Phoenix Rods, another big one. Spear Point Hooks. Ryan mentioned. Um, everybody who's supporting us we've had a lot more coming on as as we're doing some of these uh these patreon only podcasts and um we are going to try to keep those to to people that are just patrons only um but don Mormon was just a an easy get (laughs) and it turned out to be an amazing podcast so if you guys haven't listened to that if you were on the fence about being a patreon like there's one of the reasons i mean I can't say we'll ever have uh, another number number one Don Mormon on again, but it was good. Yeah, and there's more to come. There's more to come. We're going to have fun with it. Um, like I said, hats are still available, and then as soon as I get through all these hats, then we're going to do another order because a lot of people like the, uh, the truckers, the camo truckers, so we're going to do a bunch more of those. Right. And if anybody wants to buy a hat, we talked about this earlier, obviously, but um, for those of you guys that have large heads, like I have a large head, Joel has a large head, it's hard for us to find um, snapbacks that fit correctly. Most snapbacks are way too small. These are a very, very large, deep snapback. They fit 
a big head very well. So I told Ryan Cook this, and then he was like, but I like the Flex Fits, and so I bought 12 Flex Fits. Yeah, so I've got two, so my plan worked. Yeah. <laughs> and you so. still, you're like, well, I need a bigger one. <laughs> so if you got a big-ass head... We've got hats for you. We got like six left, and then as soon as those are gone, we're gonna do another run because a lot of guys are like, "Hey, we want to get some of those other ones." They are they are in order. They they don't. It's not easy to get. It's not easy to source them, and usually take like six weeks or two months or whatever it is. Joel knows a guy that knows a guy. Yeah, no, I don't. Unfortunately, I gotta go like everybody else in this time of troubles, and I don't know, like. You can't get things for whatever reason. Yep. Hey, if anybody's out there local and wants to go golfing, me and Chris Durbin, we've been golfing a lot. So if anybody wants to hook up and go golfing, let us know. Um, I'm doing that. I'm editing that out. Like, how the how dare you talk about golfing? Okay. Well, if anybody wants to go uh, metal detecting, (laughs) you want to go find some history. I mean, wow. if we're going to talk about our alternate, our B, our B game hobbies, my B game hobby is metal is metal detecting for like ain't for like history in America, like like American history. In California, yeah. it's not ancient, but yeah, and, and maybe there's know. a podcaster out there that likes to do that, and you guys can hook up and have a great time. Maybe we can snuggle. Come over to edit your, it out. Whatever. We'll come, over, we'll come over to your house. <laughs> Actually, I would have a buddy. Hey, you're he's not like, going to edit this. He's out, like, he's like, no, I'm hell no, I'm not going to edit. I already no, have enough editing on the front end. I'm not editing anything out. If you guys like uh, dirt fishing, is what I call it. Um, <laughs> it's a dirt, it's dirt fishing. Uh, hit me up. I've got a metal detector. We'll go. We'll go try to find some uh, gold and uh, cash it in. Yeah, that's that's what that's what I got. I, I do have golf clubs too, but I'm not I'm not doing that anymore. I'm over that. You're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Ryan Cook, until until next week. It's been fun, bro. It's been real. Yeah. Enjoyed it. Yeah. You made me laugh today, which was good, because I was having a bad day. Thank you. Fucking hell. <laughs> good job, Jen! I was at about six there. You don't want to see me go to ten.